Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to invite you to a workshop that I am hosting the first week of June. This workshop is going to focus entirely on digital marketing. And the goal of this workshop is to help you bust through the confusion and overwhelm so that you can conquer digital marketing and grow your flower business. I am going to share with you in this workshop my step-by-step framework for leveraging digital marketing as a florist, and you will walk away with a personalized blueprint, clear action plan so that you know exactly where to focus your time, effort, and energy. And we're going to dive into understanding the most efficient and effective advertising platforms for you to market your business, how to leverage social media, and exactly where to prioritize your spending so that you can get your business in front of your dream customers. This workshop is being hosted online. Yes, if you can't join me live, there will be a video replay so that you can play catch up in your own time. I will leave the link to sign up to this workshop in the show notes so that you can grab your spot today. And then you get to join me on Zoom and we get to workshop your digital marketing plan and you get to make the most of the rest of 2024. So I would love to see you there. And I am so incredibly excited to host this workshop, share my process with you and make sure that you are crystal clear on exactly what to do to get found by those dream customers. So visit the link in the show notes, grab your spot today, and I will see you at the workshop. Welcome to the Thrive Podcast. I'm Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. In this podcast, I'll share all we've learned about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. I'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. My flower people, morning sunshine, how are you? I am so well, so good, so well, very excited that it is, winter is upon us in Australia, which If you live overseas, you'd be surprised to know that I live in an area where it gets to, well, the weather app yesterday said it felt like minus, mm -hmm, minus 5.6 degrees Celsius. (laughs) So we live in an area that's very classically un-Australian, I guess. Anyway, major wind chill factor happening. So my Canadian bones are feeling cold. I am literally sitting here with a cup of tea, a giant mug of tea and a hot water bottle because I'm an old lady (laughs) and I thought I would give you guys a quick update on a few things that are happening in this little neck of the woods neighborhood flower bubble over the coming weeks first one listed in no priority order first one registration is now open for our in-person live one-day workshops scheduled for Sunday the 7th of July, Monday the 8th of July. You can register for one day, both days, bring a friend, geared definitely towards those of you 
who are in the midst of setting up, growing your floral design business. So it's geared much more towards florists looking to make a career out of floristry and going to be sharing all the ins and outs in terms of foam-free floristry techniques. So we'll start the morning off with, depending on which day or days you register for, we'll start the morning off doing a ceremony installation, making bouquets, or doing table arrangements and a few wiring tips and tricks. And then I have planned a very luxurious, fancy pants lunch where we can sit around and chat. And then in the afternoon, we will be doing photography and having some discussion and talking through pricing, marketing, business. So bring all your questions, bring all the things that keep you up at night, all the things that you feel like you want to know about, and we shall talk about it together. So uh, link is in the show notes for that super fun time, and I guarantee you registration is going to fill up, so get in quick. And as I said, you can sign up for one day or both days. And so that's announcement number one. Announcement number two is my new online course is going to be open for registration from the 15th of June. If you want to get on the early bird sneak peek, see what's happening in the course, sign up for the early bird email list. Link for that is for florist.com backslash waitlist will also be in the show notes. So that course is going to teach you the ins and outs of pricing, how to price your product, how to create your price list. You are also in that course going to receive our full from start to finish process for how we manage inquiries and land as many bookings as we do and it will change your business. So that is the Business Accelerator online course for florists. Again, join the waitlist if you want to be notified and doors will be open for a week. So 15th of June, that's happening. Third thing is I have launched an Ask Me Anything page on the website. And I have added in the feature that you can ask me anything and remain anonymous. (laughs) So link for that is also in the show notes. But don't forget, and I will remind you over the next few weeks, if you do have any questions, just submit your questions there. And love, love, love hearing from you guys. I will also add in as well. Don't forget that YouTube channel is now also up and running. So if you just search hashtag for florists, all one word in YouTube, you will see all the videos that are up. And I am still continuing with our Instagram lives twice a week, which has just been so much fun. So make sure you're following on Instagram at littlebirdbloom. So all those goodies will be in the show notes. But enough jibber jabber. Let us talk about today's topic. So I wanted to talk you guys through a few ins and outs in terms of what to think about if you are considering or if you have a minimum for your wedding and event clients. So the short answer is 
When asked the question, should I set a minimum order value for my weddings and events? It's not a simple yes or no answer. So I wanted to today take a little bit of time to talk through four major areas to think about. And the correct answer is going to be different for different people because everyone lives in a slightly different part of the world and your access to flowers is going to be different to the next person. And how you choose to spend your time is also going to be different than the next person. So let me just jump right into it and give you four specifics to consider when evaluating whether you should set a minimum. So the first thing to consider is what is your access to flowers or the flower market? Do you order flowers and they can get delivered to you at a local airport, delivered to you at your studio directly, or is it up to you to go to the market and pick up the flowers specifically? And if you need to go to the market, if you're waking up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and getting home at 8, 9, 10 a.m., what is it worth to you for that time, right? So that's a definite investment of time, and I would also say it's going to have an impact on your energy. So if you live in an area where you need to be traveling to the market yourself, I would highly encourage you to set a minimum that might be higher than somebody who runs a business where they can get the flowers delivered or where the wholesaler can put them on an airplane and FedEx deliver them to your house, right? So access is a little bit different for everybody. So that's a really important one is, do you have to get up and go to the flower market? Could you get them delivered? Is there a courier shipment option that you could explore? One of the things that I have found as a huge advantage to owning a flower shop is that we get and we have access to regular flower delivery. So there is a courier who has set up a business and run it for many, many, many years where he has a team of people and drivers that deliver directly from the market down to where we are. So. Our drive from our house to the market is exactly 101 kilometers. I need to get up at 3 a.m. to be there just before 5, do my shopping, pack the van, and get home. And I usually get home depending on how shopping has gone, somewhere between 7.30 and 8.30. I do not go three times a week. There is no way that my body and my soul could function if I had to be the one that went three times a week. I have a huge amount of faith in our wholesalers because in most cases we order with our wholesalers directly and then our courier will just pick things up. He will also pick up a few additional bits and pieces for us. So absolutely you do not get the same experience as being able to walk around the market yourself and pick up a few of those beautiful extras. But in many cases, me going up to the market once a week solves that problem. So the first thing I want you to consider when evaluating whether or not you should set a minimum is 
the time and energy investment that you need to make in order to have access to flowers. So that's number one. Number two, in making your recipes and planning your ingredients, managing your stem count totals so that you're as close to whole bunches as possible. Another major, major advantage to doing daily flower deliveries, like everyday flower, birthdays, get well soon, thinking of you type of things, is it gives you way more flexibility in terms of being specific around your stem counts. So when you're doing and working through your ingredients and your recipe planning, and you add your totals up across all of your design elements, putting in some effort to make sure that you're coming in as close to whole bunches as possible. So for example, you may have, you know, a bride bouquet, three bridesmaids, a little bit of wiring and 10 table arrangements. If you do your math and your sums across all your designs and you end up with, let's say for example, you're using a version of a carnation and you end up with 62 stems that you need to order, I would be inclined to adjust the recipe so that it's closer to 66 or 67 or 56 or 57. It gives you a little bit of leeway for breakage, which is high for carnations, but it also ensures that you're using your flower budget as effectively as possible. So one of the advantages of having an everyday floral delivery business is that you don't have to worry about that at all. You absolutely could decide, I only want two stems of carnations and then the other eight are gonna go into my everyday flower orders. So it gives you much more flexibility, but when you are focusing on weddings and events, one of the things you need to consider is you need to be buying things in whole bunches. So if you're buying a bundle of import roses and there's 25 stems in a bundle, but you only want four or six for a bouquet, you're still gonna have to buy the whole bundle of 25. So you need to make sure that the total value of the booking accounts for that. The other option is you can always decide if you only wanted to use six of those stems of the bundle of roses, you are going to take the other 19 stems and consider it an investment in your creativity and make something out of it, test a new mechanic, have a flower meditation, do something with them to move your own creativity and your practice forward. So that's always an option. But the second thing to consider in terms of evaluating whether a minimum is right for you is that managing of the stem count, is really making sure that you're being intentional and strategic about the types of flowers that you're buying and that you're maximizing your stem count as much as possible. And that becomes particularly true when you're looking at things that come in bunches of 10, bundles of 25, possibly your wholesaler has a minimum order, right? Like your business context might be slightly different to ours, but it's something to definitely consider when you're planning out your recipes and ingredients is trying to round up your total stem crown across all your design items 
to be as close to whole bunches as possible, giving yourself a little bit of leeway for breakage and damage. So, number two. Then I will say, number three, and this is going to vary greatly based on your personal preferences. Number three is, what is the opportunity cost of you doing this work? Now, opportunity cost is a fancy business way of talking about what are you forgoing. So if you are investing and spending your time doing a floral arrangement, what are the other things you could be doing with that time? And this becomes, I think, particularly important when you're feeling torn between spending time with friends and family and loved ones, spending time with yourself, spending time on another hobby or activity that you consider just pure fun, versus spending that time working. So what are you foregoing while you're working, spending your time on? And I would also, within this, actually challenge you a little bit to say, working in your business and doing a flower arrangement is also different to working on your business. So the opportunity cost and what you're foregoing might be, instead of doing that flower arrangement, you could be refining your website. You could be sorting through responses to new inquiries. You could be prepping for a photo shoot that you have. There are lots of things you could be spending your time on, which is going to vary for every single one of you. Everybody's preference and how they spend their days and how they spend their time is going to be so different. So I would encourage you to spend a little bit of time thinking around. If you got an order for $500, how much time and energy would it take for you to fulfill that $500 order? Is your time better spent elsewhere? And this comes full circle with item number one in terms of how easy it is for you to access flowers. So if you have to get up at 2, a, 2 or 3 a.m. to go to the market for a $500 flower order, plus you then actually need to process the flowers, plus you then actually need to design and make the order and likely deliver it, all of that time and energy that you're spending, is it worth it? And this is absolutely, there is no right answer because in many cases, measuring whether it's worth it can also be more than simply your profit and your income from that order. So a $500 flower order might be worth it if you get the added bonus of building a relationship with a venue or a photographer or industry partners. It might also be a great opportunity for you to capture your work in a new environment. If you're using specific flowers, if you're experimenting with a different color palette, you could absolutely be investing your time and choosing to say yes to a $500 order if it means you have a great opportunity for photos, for video content of being able to capture your work and create a little bit of a content library out of it. So the whole notion of an opportunity cost 
isn't as concrete as saying, oh, well, if I spend one hour doing work, that means I'm not doing one hour over here. There's a definite time investment aspect of it. So it's absolutely you're forgoing and giving up this time for something else. But give some consideration, too, as to whether that $500 order is worth it for any other reason. And the answer could absolutely be no. And that's absolutely fine. 100% fine. But instead of necessarily assuming that you want to take on every $500 or $1,000 or $1,500 order that's out there, would you rather spend your time doing something else? Or is there also an added bonus in addition to purely just the revenue side of it? So just give some thought to that. And the answer to that question may vary with every single inquiry. That is totally possible. But it's just really understanding the most aggressive way I like to think about this is particularly in the instances if you're like us where you if you're going to get up and go to the market, you have to get up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. What is the minimum you're willing to get out of bed for? And it sounds really like princessy and delicate and a little bit douchebaggy, but it's totally okay for you to say, nah, I don't get out of bed for less than $3,500. And then it's easy. It's super easy. So that then leads into my next point, which is number Four, remember, your business, your rules, you can change your minimum at any time. At any time you can change your minimum. You can decide, you may get an inquiry from somebody who is saying, oh, I only want to spend, we have a maximum budget of $1,500. And your minimum, you might have set $3,500 as your minimum, but you've connected with this client, there's a great opportunity for you to do work that you know you will be fulfilled by. You get to experiment with some of your favorite flowers, get to test a new color palette, get to do an installation, get to do something that is beyond just purely financial gain. And you are absolutely allowed to accept that work if you decide it's worth it. The other instance where you might decide to break your minimum is if you get an inquiry for a weekend or for a week where you already have another event booked in. So let's say you have a wedding on Saturday and it's a $2,000 wedding and that meets your minimum criteria. If you get an email from somebody that says, hey, wanted to see if you were able to just do a collection of five table arrangements for me. I'll come by and pick them up on Friday. You decide what color, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're already coordinating getting flowers from the market, is it worth it for you to add on a small order because you're already putting a lot of time and energy to making it happen? So to kind of get the wedding and events machine cranked up, right, to get yourself sorted for the upcoming weekend, you could absolutely decide, you know what, taking on an $800 order isn't going to be a huge amount of incremental work because you're already doing the job of ordering the flowers, going to the airport or going to the flower market to pick up your flowers. So it's not, you're not getting out of bed specifically for that order. It's just an add-on. So that's another instance where you might decide, no, it's totally fine for you to break your minimum. 100%. Now, 
So let us review those four things to consider. And as I said before, everybody's going to have a totally different context in which you're making this decision. And I might actually start at the end because I want you guys to remember how important it is that you can change your minimum at any time. You are absolutely allowed to decide you want to have your minimum at $1,500. And then three weeks later, up it to $3,500. Right? Your business, your rules is no problem. So don't forget, you can change your minimum at any time you like. The third thing to consider when evaluating whether a minimum is right for you is the opportunity cost of your time and your energy. Second thing to consider is in making your recipes and planning your ingredients is making sure that the total value of your bookings covers for whole bunches and bundles of flowers. Right? So one of the advantages to having a shop is that I know we don't have to be as careful in terms of planting flowers because I can decide I only want two carnations and the other eight can go to the shop and that's totally fine. But if you're looking at doing a table arrangement and you want a nice variety of flowers and colors and texture and you're thinking, oh, I know I want at least six or seven things, but the budget won't allow for you to use whole bunches, just be mindful of the fact that you are going to have to spend and purchase whole bunches or bundles, even though it's not going to be covered in your floral budget. Just be mindful of that. And the first thing, which I think might be the most important thing, is simply your own business's access to flowers. So the actual cost of you having to wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and returning home at 8 a.m. and feeling like your whole system is thrown off for the whole day. Is it possible for you to get flowers delivered? What about access to local growers? And one of the advantages to having an everyday flower business means that we have flower deliveries two, if not three times a week. So it's not necessarily mandatory for me to go to the market. So we have not actually set a minimum for our orders when it comes to weddings and events. The next question I get asked a lot is, do I post my minimum to the website? So it's quite common that you'll see business owners posting minimums of things like 2,500, 3,000, and being really explicit on their website. And I'd say there's two main benefits to this. And the first, which is one of my favorites, is that posting a minimum on your website is one of the best ways to easily sift through the shit. It means you're going to avoid getting the inquiries that are just not a good fit for you. If you've decided that your minimum is $3,500, it means if you have posted that on your website, you're not going to be getting those inquiries from people who are only spending $1,000, which is great. Like it's an easy way to stop people from inquiring and then you don't even have to get back to them. So anything you can do to help sift through the shit is a good thing. Another benefit to posting a minimum on your website is that the potential client might in their head have a budget of $2,000 and say you've set your minimum at $2,500. It's very possible 
that they are happy to push themselves to meet your minimum. So if they feel like they're in the ballpark, they are absolutely then allowed to adjust their own budget and inquire with you anyway. So it really helps push some of those lower value clients just up a rung on the ladder, right? So say your minimum is $1,000. If somebody has, before they've contacted you, kind of decided for themselves that $850, well, they might contact you anyway and are happy to spend that incremental little bit. So it's definitely a good incentive. One of the things that we've experimented with, because we don't actually have an explicit minimum, is posting something similar and along the lines of our average wedding booking is and insert the value that you want to post. So instead of being explicit around having a minimum, try the idea of posting on your website, our average wedding booking is $2,000, $5,000, $7,500, $10,000, whatever you want that number to be. And if you haven't, or I should say, if you're trying to attract a specific type of client and you have a good idea as to what their average budget is, and even if you're not actually booking averages to that amount, don't be afraid to post your ambitious figure. So let's say your average wedding at the moment is $1,500, but you really want to be working on $3,500 weddings. Don't be afraid on your website to actually post our average wedding booking value is $3,500. I would then follow that up to say what has worked really well for us is to post our average wedding booking is and insert the value. And then we immediately followed that up with a blog post that gives our potential clients an idea of what they can expect to get at specific budget levels. So it's as simple as possibly doing a table or you can just do a list where it says, you know, under $1,000. And yes, there are 800 permutations and combinations, so keep it simple. But based on your pricing, you might say under $1,000 will cover personal items. You know, $1,000 to $2,500 will cover personal items and a feature at the reception or the ceremony. $25,000 to $5,000 will cover personal items, a feature at the ceremony or reception, plus table arrangements. You know, five to seven and a half might cover, you know, and then you can just list it out. And don't be afraid to just keep it really simple. Don't think that you need to cover off every permutation and combination out there. Make whatever assumptions you want. But giving your clients a guide around what some of those budgets might cover is also another brilliant way to shift out, sift out the shit. Because if your potential client doesn't see value in the $300 that you charge for a bridal bouquet, they are not your ideal customer. And anything you can do to head them off at the pass, to stop them from inquiring, from you putting any energy and effort into responding to them when they're not your right client, is a good thing. So, in answering the question, should I have a minimum? Lots of different things to consider. 
And the answer is not black and white. So try it out, see what works for you. Definitely, if you're hesitant to commit to having a minimum, experiment with language around our average wedding booking is, blah, 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 blah. I would definitely encourage you to create a blog post, a PDF, a page on your website that outlines the budgets and example inclusions regardless. And really think about and do a little bit of math. Eek, I don't want to do math. Do a little bit of math to figure out how much time and energy you spend going to the market, what your average kind of flower budget is, and do a little bit of math based on your pricing to figure out what is that threshold. In many cases, it might only be $1,000. If you can get flowers delivered or if you can go to a local grower, your minimum can be much lower than somebody who either needs to trek out to the airport or wake up at 2 a.m. to go to the flower market, right? The cost of getting up that early is real, right? It's not just a matter of your time of getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning. There are real costs associated with the energy and effort that you need to put into making that happen. So, unfortunately, the answer is not yes or no, but there's a few different ways you can think about it. So, I'm going to just recap the four different things for you to think about in terms of whether a minimum is right for you and how you set a minimum. So the first question is, what is your access to flowers or the flower market? Can you get flowers delivered? Or do you need to be the one to get up and actually go to the market? If you do need to get up and go to the market, your minimum is going to be significantly higher than if somebody's going to deliver to you. Number two, in making your recipes and managing your stem counts, make sure that your total flower budget will allow you to capture the cost of having to buy whole bundles and bunches. You don't have the same flexibility in terms of just being able to use two or three stems out of a bunch of 10. So make sure your minimum allows you to cover all of that cost. With the one exception being, if you own an everyday flower shop, you don't need to worry about this at all, but you are also allowed, and I would encourage you to decide that those extra stems that you're purchasing that cannot be covered under the budget for your event are going to go into your own investment in your creativity and in your flower practice, right? And promise and commit to yourself and to me that you're going to make something and you're going to test out a new mechanic and you're going to try a new vase, you're going to try a new style, you're going to try a new shape, whatever it is, just promise that you will actually use those stems and make something out of them. Don't let them just sit in the cool room and die. <laughs> so the third thing to think about is what the what is the opportunity cost of all of that time and energy that you need to be spending making these designs and going to the market and planning for the event and liaising with the client. Right? What is it you could be doing with that time? Is your time better spent doing something else? If you're only going to make $50 off of this event, but you're going to spend 20 hours working on it, is that worth it? And I will also encourage you to just remind yourself or remember sometimes it might be worth doing the job if it's more than just the money. You might be building relationships, you might be able to capture some photos, gather some content, play with some beautiful containers, play with some fabric, play with some new flowers, play with a different color palette, 
sometimes that is absolutely worth the opportunity. So don't forget that one. And then last but not least, don't forget, you can always change your minimum. Yeah? Yeah. So I hope that was helpful. Uh, I will, a quick little reminder that if you have any questions, don't forget that you can go to my new Ask Me Anything page on the website and submit your questions. All you need to do if you want to remain anonymous is just make up a fake email address. And if you want to work, if you want to register for the upcoming workshops, which are 6 and 7 of July 2019, link is in the show notes. Guaranteed those are going to sell out, so get in quick. Finally, Business Accelerator Online course opens for registration on the 15th of June. So, link is in the show notes. Bingo bongo. I hope you have a beautiful day. I hope wherever you are, it's not as cold as it is here. But I make no promises. And if you have any questions, don't forget to follow me on Instagram, email me, or go to that new Ask Me Anything page on the website. And have a beautiful day, and I'm sending you so much love, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.
it is very possible what you actually come up with isn't necessarily considered steps, but it might just be all the different questions that come to mind for you. So for example, question one, what documents do I need to have to be considered a legitimate business? Right? The steps in order to answer those questions are things like go to Google, research, talk to your local small business group, talk to your accountant, talk to your local council, talk to the tax office, right? It's going to be an investigation in terms of doing a lot of research. And then once you've investigated those things and figured out, oh, it's as simple as I only need these three pieces of paper, or I need to have this document filed, or I need to go on and register this with the tax office, then it's a matter of outlining for yourself, okay, what are those steps? And then you need to actually assign time when you're going to do this. I am a massive advocate for time blocking, right? Book appointments with yourself. Decide you are going to have a meeting. And you've heard me talk about this before, all the different hats that you wear as a business owner. So if you're thinking about incorporation or you're thinking about registering with the tax office or you're thinking about getting a business license, you need to, as a matter of fact, you, as the CEO of your business, need to almost sit down and have a meeting with, you can call them your head of operations, which also happens to be you, but you need to have a meeting between those two people to understand what you need to be doing, right? So you, as the CEO of your business, need to sit down with your head of operations, possibly your chief financial officer, all happen to be you, and have a meeting. Book that meeting in with yourself. So it might be Thursday at 9 a.m., Kathleen is having a meeting with her CFO and her head of operations to figure out business licensing, apply for the documentation, read the website, go to their office, book an appointment with your accountant. Whatever it is that you need to do, don't be afraid to book meetings with yourself. Huge, huge advocate of that type of process. In this document, all you need to do is go, okay, milestone A is set up legit business. Questions that come to mind for me are, what does a legit business look like? What kind of documentation do I need to have? Who might know the answer to that question? What can I find on Google? Where is my local small business organization? Do I have an accountant? Do I need a lawyer? Any question that comes to mind, write it down. Then, in the by when column, tell yourself and literally book into your calendar a meeting with yourself to figure out when you're going to figure that stuff out. And then you can assign who will do this. It's very possible you might figure out in some of your milestones and some of your steps that you're working through that you need to assign a task to somebody else. Might be your brother, might be your mom, might be your cousin, might be your lawyer, might be your accountant, might be your big sister, might be your best friend, might be talking to somebody else who knows a lot of things about setting up a business. Right? So you can decide you're going to bring somebody else into the loop and you can add that into the column of who will do this. So milestone A might be set up legit business. Don't be afraid to brain dump all the questions that you have no idea the answers to in this section. You will eventually figure out the steps to get you from A to B. Milestone B or milestone 2 might then be create a website. So what are the steps involved in creating a website? One, you need a domain name. Two, you need to figure out where your website's going to be hosted. So Squarespace, Wix, Shopify, WordPress, 
something else out there that might toot your horn. Step number three is you need to have photos. You might then all of a sudden realize, ooh, so to get step number three done, I could either buy some stock imagery, I could buy some graphics and illustration, I could go buy some flowers and test out a little photography for myself, or I could set up a commissioned styled shoot. All of a sudden, you might then realize, oh, to get that step three done, I want to actually create a commissioned styled shoot. So that's going to be a new milestone, right? That becomes a little bit of a project in itself. So, you know, okay, I need to get photo photographs done. <laughs> then step number four is I need to figure out what content do I need on my website, right? So you need like a top menu, a navigation, you'll need an about me page. If you're going to be selling products on your website, you need product shots. You need to also have a little bit of a catalog. You need to figure out the whole checkout system. If you're looking to attract wedding and event clients then you need to have a contact me page you might want to have a little bit written about your philosophy around flowers who you are how you operate the process that you work under if you want to have a price list on your website right like you just need to go through and map out the content on your website you might also decide to throw a step in there that is research other wedding and event websites right Go out and find 10, 15, 20 websites that you really like the look of. Then deconstruct them. What do you like the look of them? Do you like the fact that they have a lot of white space? Do you like the fact that they have this type of look and feel? What's their menu look like? What kind of content do they have on their pages? How limited is their content? How in-depth is their content? All those things. Don't be afraid to research what others are doing and pick up on the bits and pieces that you really like and then make it your own. So then step four or step five might be upload the content to your website. Step number six is get somebody else to read over the content on your website for copywriting errors, flow, ideas, all the things. Step number six, push live on your website, right? So you can understand how you might have a big milestone, but all you need to do is just break it down into smaller steps. I would also highly recommend that you give yourself a date or a deadline. So fill in that by when section and go one step further and book yourself a meeting with yourself. Be very specific about what you're going to achieve in that meeting and if you need anybody else to join you in that discussion. But hopefully this makes sense because what you're going to do is you're just going to have and break out the big chunks of work that you need to get done. Be mindful of the fact that you still have a day job be mindful of the fact that you might already have other commitments and just work around it. I am a person who thinks that everything needs to be done right now, immediately, if not yesterday. But I'll tell you, I have proven to myself that slow and steady wins the race and you will get there. Just chug along and chip away at it. Even if you can assign five hours a week five hours a week to one of these projects, you will be astounded at how much progress you actually make. So don't be afraid to chop and change some of the stuff as you see fit. And also don't be afraid to come back and revisit this every three months. None of this stuff needs to be set in stone. Like this is the beauty of this whole thing is that it is a process. 
I will also really encourage you guys to message me if you have any questions. Message me on Instagram or email me through thrivepodcast.co. Send me an email directly from the website. And would so love to see how and where you are using this template. If you are going through the process and you get stuck on anything, don't be afraid to contact me because you're not going to be the only one. And absolutely 100%, if you're listening to this podcast episode and or using this planning tool, take a screenshot of it and post it to Instagram and tag me in it. I would so love to see what you guys are up to. So I'm going to end it there. Thank you for sticking it out with me. And I really, 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 really hope that this is helpful. But I shall talk to you cool cats later. And I hope you have a beautiful day. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.